Live from the Hope Center in Plano, Texas, this is Hope in the Night, late night talk radio offering biblical hope and practical help, and on the air now for over 25 years. I'm Jeff Oliver here with author and speaker June Hunt. June, then this week's uh, topic that you are covering in the series, How to Handle Your Emotions, that's on Sunday nights at 5.30, by the way, for an hour and a half there at Central Time. By the way, if people would like to attend that, if they're nearby or they can zoom in and uh, just go to hopefortheheart.org slash events, find all the details there. But it's one of a nine-part series you're doing, and this week's topic is guilt. I know that on many of these topics, you'd like to share something kind of personal and share a a personal story on that. So what do you have about guilt? (laughs) Well, um, this happened a number of years ago. Um, I, uh, by the way, uh, we've just had the Super Bowl and uh, we had coach Tom Landry in Dallas. Not now. Now, not for this last Super Bowl, but I was used to seeing the Cowboys um, either contend or win the Super Bowl. And a, I was with a friend, not not for the Super Bowl game, but a Dallas Cowboy football game. And um, Tom Landry executed the game perfectly, the coach. Uh, quarterback Roger Staubach uh, was never better. By the way, he lived across the street from me, which is very interesting. And uh, But this night was just, it's called the thrill of victory. Remember that phrase, the mm-hmm. thrill of victory. But the second part is the agony of defeat. That's right. Um, that was ABC uh, Wide World of Sports. Well, instead of scurrying away with all the fans fighting the traffic, my friend and I, decided to stay in our seats and simply talk. And we watched Texas Stadium empty, 65,000-plus. Just eventually, we just saw these vacant blue stadium seats, so attractive, uh, bright in in contrast to uh, the AstroTurf, the the brilliant green AstroTurf. And I just remember we... We're thoroughly because normally we would fight the traffic, and then I began to feel hmm, this agony of defeat. My mind became crowded with guilt because I had made some wrong choices earlier, and I I remember saying to Barbara, "I don't deserve to have you as my grace friend." I always called her my grace friend because she would give me grace when I didn't deserve it. And that's the hallmark of grace. It's a gift you give someone because it's not deserved. Uh, Then I began to have a litany of wrong choices. I was, I was saying, you know, I did this, and I, I was, in fact, I had tears as I thought about certain people whom I had hurt, including her. And I just said, how could I have done that? How could have I could I have thought that way? So the guilt was pouring on me, and uh, Barbara took my hand and said something that stunned me. June, I don't think you really understand what grace is all about. I thought, what? That then slowly said, well, I've taught on grace. I remember thinking, mm-hmm. I've taught on it, and then she reiterated. I don't think you really understand the grace of God. 
And I thought, could that be true? I, could I just know it in my head but not in my heart? And then she continued, June, you apply grace to others but not to yourself. And candidly, I had no clue that this was true. Ultimately, she shared... I, I, I was hearing her. But she started in saying, June, we've all been guilty of breaking God's law. You're no different. You know Romans three twenty three that says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I nodded my head. Well, she said, since you've confessed your sins, you've given your life to Christ, God was faithful to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. By the way, she was actually quoting scripture that I recognized it because I had become a Christian. That was 1 John 1, 9. And so she said, you've already received the gift of grace, giving you forgiveness that you didn't deserve. And and then, um, you know, it, it's really uh, fascinating because Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, It's by grace you have been saved through faith. This not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. And I was listening. I knew she was right. But I thought, why, why am I struggling with this? And it dawned on me, my two sisters later told me, June, you're dad's, uh, you're the, uh, what did she say? Uh, they, they've said the lightning rod of dad's, um, uh, his venom and his attacking, he attacks you. You're the one he attacks of all four of us. And so I think I just kept accept, expecting to be criticized. And I think there are times when there's something we need to do. If we're not applying the grace that is given to us by God, where we're truly forgiven, um, we need to remind ourselves that this is the extraordinary forgiveness of God. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me to proclaim good news to the poor and to proclaim freedom for prisoners. The Lord came to set captives free, and He calls us to do the same. Hope for the Heart has an exciting opportunity to help bring the light of God's Word into the lives of those in prison. Thanks to our generous supporters, we were recently able to send 6,000 of June Hunt's books and biblical resources to Rikers Island Prison in New York City. The prison chaplain told us the whole atmosphere changed with the inmates because light was finally coming into the darkness. The supply of resources was a direct answer to years of prayer, and many inmates have given their lives to the Lord. It's a truly remarkable story of hope, and it's all possible because of generous friends like you. If you would like to help send more biblical resources to prisons around the country, you can give online today at hopefortheheart.org forward slash give hope. That's hopefortheheart.org forward slash give hope. 
Would you like to talk to June Hunt about a situation in your life? Consider having that conversation on a future broadcast of Hope in the Night and let June help you discover practical help that's grounded in God's truth. Your story will be heard on all of our radio affiliates. And of course, we protect your privacy by providing you with a different name. And as it happens often in our program, when you share your story, you might help someone else find biblical hope and practical help for their lives. It's ministry multiplied. For an opportunity to talk with June Hunt on Hope in the Night about an issue, a hurt, a relationship, or some other concern in your life, call 800-917. That's 800-644-4817. And remember, there are no hopeless situations, only people who have grown hopeless. There really are biblical solutions for all of life's struggles. Don't wait. Call tonight. 800-917. 800-644-4817. The following program is pre-recorded. Welcome back. I'm Jeff Oliver, and you are listening to Hope in the Night with June Hunt. This is a ministry of hope for the heart, and we'd like to thank you for your prayers and support of this ministry. If you have any questions about tonight's topic or any number of topics, we have over 100 keys for living sure to address your situation or maybe in the life of someone you care about and you'd like to give them some information, some resources that will help them in a struggle they're having. So uh, just call our customer support team at 800-488-HOPE. They're available Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 Central Time. They'll help you access the resources you need. Let me mention to you one of the resources that we actually send to each night's caller here on the program is our devotional, Seeing Yourself Through God's Eyes. It's a 31-day uh, read through many of the uh, ways that God sees you and, and who you are in Christ. It, it Really, the, the purpose is seeing yourself in uh, in the right way and with the proper perspective because the key to healthy Christian living is to see yourself through God's eyes because if you don't know who you are you can't know God's plan and purpose for your life. This book is again 31 days has a leader's guide in that if you'd like to take a group through this study you can certainly do that as well but talk to customer support about getting that it's a a, a great way to get into God's word and see what he knows and feels about you and your calling, your place in uh, in in God's perspective, in God's heart for you. The uh, number again is 800-488-HOPE, 800-488-4673. Also check out our website if you'd like to find more resources from us at hopefortheheart.org slash store. There you'll find the uh, updated keys for living. They're being added to, updated all the time, and uh, new resources, new titles being added to this website monthly. So just go there, the keys for living are uh, provide biblical hope and practical help on so many topics, and as I said, new topics being added monthly. Also, the video-based training program called Lifeline to Hope, that's a 10-session uh, caregiver training course just for uh, volunteers in your church to uh, grow and uh, maybe even start a care ministry in your church. It's helped so many uh, churches and uh, pastors to do that for their church. Also, you'll find an area there called June's Place, a curated bookstore with June's books, Bible studies, music CDs are there as well. It's all at hopefortheheart.org slash store. Well, let's get to tonight's caller, and this evening we welcome to the program Elizabeth. Well, welcome back, Elizabeth. So glad to talk with you. 
Thank you. Thank you for having me once again. How are you? Uh, I'm blessed. Thank you. Um, so am I. I, I Help me know. Uh, I know you had said that when you called uh, very recently that um, you had a problem with anger uh, and um, you, you were very candid. You did not want to have anger. People who have anger residing within them, um, it, there, there's conflict for many of them because they, they say, I don't want to be controlled by anger. And you used the term suppressed anger. I remember your words, or that phrase in particular. It's like you had suppressed anger. Why don't you uh, detail what you meant by that? Okay, well, when it when it, my molestation first started with my uncle, um, he was babysitting for us, and it would happen during the summer. And so I would just freeze. And mm-hmm. I would, the whole time I'm just frozen while he was molesting me. Just, I was, the the longer and the more it it happened, the angrier I was getting, Mm -hmm. but I was never, I never expressed it out of fear that it it will become violent or, you know, even more than what it was. So, Mm -hmm. frozen was the only way, and then when it happened with my dad, and that went on, you know, two or three times a week for a year, and that was real, even more anger on top of it from being frozen in fear and shock and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. betrayal and all that that comes along with it and still suppress anger because, again, you don't want to be physically assaulted, black-eyed or beat up or anything mm-hmm. like that. And as it continued, that my first reaction was always to just freeze and uh-huh. then I would always hear what my mom would teach me about forgiveness. You have to forgive. You have to forgive. You have to forgive. No matter what, Jesus died on the cross. He forgave. You must forgive. Forgive. So uh-huh. then that suppresses the anger, too, because you're thinking, oh, okay, well, then I'm supposed to forgive and just act like it never happened. So then mm. you, I pushed those things in the back of my mind, graduated high school with, on the honor roll, because, again, you're supposed to forgive, 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 but there was nothing that was telling me how to deal with the suppressed anger that, you know, over mm-hmm. time, and then it seemed like everything over life just kept piling on top of it to where once I started telling my story to people and, and all the images and memories and everything, it's like it opened the floodgates, and it was like it didn't do it like a little bit at a time. It felt like it was just all my feelings and emotions mm-hmm. came out at the same time overwhelmingly to where I didn't have, didn't even know how to respond but just to be angry. Mm-hmm. So that's what I meant by suppressed. Yes. Well, I remember you saying that at age nine, I believe that's when your uncle began molesting you. And then, you know, one thing that is so apparent, people, when they're in a family unit, they assume that they're going to be having family members who are protective, not perpetrating. And so I'm going to make a comment about your words. 
yes, your mom said, forgive, forgive. Um, not, not that you told her immediately. You did not. Uh, no, ma'am. And um, that took years. Then you think you said in your 30s. Yes, ma'am. But many people think the word forgive is an issue of uh, excusing wrong behavior. It's, it's like forgive and forget. You're supposed to forget that it ever happened. By the way, that is not scripture. Many people think that phrase, forgive and forget, is scripture. It is not at all. And when you're violated, you don't... Let me say it this way. Um, the profound impact of unjust treatment if you've been assaulted um, there can be a trauma where there is a it's called dissociation and then it comes back later but the, but it's not like you just forget it as though nothing happened so there is a misunderstanding about forgiveness and I want to clarify, uh, I struggled with the concept of forgiveness because of especially how my father was treating my mother. That was to me the biggest offense, you know, like hurt me, don't hurt her. But the point is, I, <laughs> I had become a Christian and I just couldn't imagine that forgiveness could be right. It just couldn't be. But I didn't understand forgiveness. Forgiveness means, the, the actual word forgive means release. Release. Uh, it sometimes is translated lift off, send away. But the concept is release. And what that means is you take the person who has wronged you and you were wronged, you were violated, you were betrayed. But instead of being a prisoner of your past, which you did not cause, instead of you being a prisoner where all of that pain is just stuck to you and you can't get free, think of the word release you're taking that person off of your emotional hook, not letting them off the hook. You're taking them off of your hook, putting them onto God's hook. You're releasing that person to God in a way that you literally are not controlled by what that person has done. You are impacted you are definitely hurt, and it was unjust. We said anger. Anger is a secondary response to one of four causes. Hurt, injustice, fear, and frustration. And you had them all, correct? Yes, ma'am. Okay. So, 
It is normal to have anger. There is a right kind of anger that can later be misused. But the Bible does say in the Old Testament and the New Testament, be angry, but do not sin. And so what what we are to do, and this does take understanding, it does take explanation, um, you literally can know the injustice. And I thought it was interesting a moment ago, you, you talked about then later when you started telling, there were all these emotions that would come. And I'm going to just say, usually when people begin to share their story, the, the, the pain is so evident, and I know this on a first-hand level, um, and it can evoke a, a great deal of emotion. And later, if you're telling your story, once you start dealing with it, it can be used by God to help others who have as you had suppressed anger, you, when you tell something that is so similar to what somebody else has experienced, and then you take what you have learned from this, what you have done, and there were some things that you absolutely did right. And as you have lived and, and seen how this you, you you don't want to ever be a prisoner of someone else's wrongdoing so this is where you can increasingly actually be used by God by being willing to share your story and to share the insights that you have gained so the anger, there are many people who struggle with anger. Over time, you can be an incredible blessing, especially when you process that pain of anger. We have an exciting opportunity to share with you to help bring light into one of the darkest areas of the country, into the lives of those in prison. Thanks to our generous supporters, we were recently able to send 6,000 of June Hunt's books and biblical resources to Rikers Island Prison in New York City. Rikers Island is home to 10,000 inmates and is known as one of the harshest prisons in the country. The prison chaplain told us that he was holding back tears because the inmates were so hungry and grateful to receive books filled with hope and truth. It was a direct answer to years of prayer, and the transformation was so great that they got a baptistry so that the inmates could be baptized. It's a truly remarkable story of hope, and it's all possible because of generous friends like you. 
If you would like to help send more life-changing biblical resources to prisons around the country, you can give online at hopefortheheart.org forward slash give hope. June Hunt and the Ministry of Hope for the Heart have an exciting new resource to encourage you and equip you to help others. It's called the Care and Counsel Library, and it's available at hopefortheheart.org slash ccl. The Care and Counsel Library has 50 topics in 10 volumes with clear answers from God's Word and practical solutions to real-life issues. It is the culmination of decades of ministry from the compassionate, relevant guidance of June Hunt. This library includes volumes such as Grief and Loss, Abuse and Trauma, Depression and Suicide, and more. These are excellent training tools for counselors, life coaches, or anyone who wants to grow in biblical wisdom to address the real issues of life. Learn more and get the Care and Counsel Library at hopefortheheart.org slash ccl. That's hopefortheheart.org slash ccl. You are listening to Hope in the Night with June Hunt. I'm Jeff Oliver, and we'll get back to our caller in just a moment. If you have questions or concerns about the topics on the program tonight, just call our customer support team. They're at 800-488-HOPE, Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 Central Time. And uh, maybe there's a struggle you have, and you'd like to talk to them about what resource might be most helpful for you. They'll be able to recommend some that might be uh, online resources from us that will be free resources, our quick reference guides to so many of our topics. And then there are so many other titles that you can choose from there if you would like to have a copy of that in your your hands. They can get that to you pretty quickly and order that for you. Uh, just call customer support. Again, the number is 800-488-HOPE. Let me recommend one of our resources called Stress, How to Cope at the End of Your Rope. That's uh, one of our uh, keys for living, and they will be certainly ha- happy to help you with that. Their number again, 800-488-HOPE, 800-488-4673. If you'd like to email them, the uh, email address is customer support at hopefortheheart.org. Let's return now to tonight's conversation with Elizabeth. Well, Elizabeth, I want to make sure you have an opportunity to respond, even to say, I don't agree, or I don't see that, or I don't know how to do that, or whatever. Uh, So as I express a a number of facets about uh, the victimization and the anger, um, let me let you make any comment that you wish to make. Uh, well, everything that you said is on point, so I, I agree with it all. It, it's, it's just my turmoil is that, because I don't have a problem with sharing my story. I, I'm one side, um, how I even came about telling my story was I went to a Bible study and at my church, and because I'm from Indiana originally, mm-hmm. and the message that night was overcoming uh, childhood traumas, and he was saying how we need to just start telling people, and that was the night I told my mother. Mm. And so I, after, because I, my biggest fear was always telling her how she would react. And after she got off her initial anger, and then she confronted my dad, um, and which was down the line, she confronted him. But then she forgave him 
So and and but when I saw her that she did that, that emboldened me to make me just want to just now. I told her now I need to just start telling it. So then I be, began doing jail ministry after I was um, incarcerated myself, and I just wanted to tell people I have this desire to just to get other women and men set free from yes. this. So I don't have a problem with telling my story at all. I'm so excited to tell it, even though it's gross and disgusting. That's the part I'm dealing with the most, the anger and the gross and disgustingness of the whole. Ugh. So, but, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm happy to tell my story. I just want to get, I don't want it to be that, again, that sinful anger to where it becomes a sin. Because right. I don't want the sun to go down on my wrath. <laughs> <laughs> well, like you're being biblical because that's what the scripture says. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath while you're still angry. And so what it is is confronting what is wrong. In fact, um, I, we have something called, and we've, we've sent this to you. I don't know if you've received it yet, but it's um, our our keys for living on anger, facing the fire within. And it's the quick answer to anger in this way. Can I change the situation? You ask that question. Can I change the situation? If you can, you change it. If you can't, you release it. Like if the door squeaks, you oil it. If the faucet leaks, you fix it. Um, if your house burns down, it's already taken place. It, it's happened. Then you release it in terms of there's a huge loss when people have that which was special to them and now it's no longer there. And it's, there's a release. You release the fear like in a burning house. If a loved one dies, you release it. You release the hurt. And that means that in the releasing part, since the word anger or the word forgive means release, um, you go before the Lord and just say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for caring about me. Since you know everything, you know the strong sense of if it's hurt or injustice or fear or frustration that, that I felt about, and then you name what that situation is. Thank you for understanding my anger. Right now I release all of that emotion to you, and I trust you with my future, and I trust you with me. In Christ's name I pray. There are times when we need to literally take what we cannot change and release it to the Lord and just say, if there's any way you want to use this in my life. And some people would never dream that they would, that they, that that God would use something like that because they don't even imagine telling just like I, I did not tell for years, um, of, of of sexual abuse that I experienced, never I never thought I would tell anybody, and um, yet the 
rare times that I have spoken of it, it's always for a purpose. And I find that people go, oh, you really do understand. And what, you know, and what you have described is very important. As God gives you insights, and he will, because see, you have, you do have a heart to help others. There, there's no question about that. And uh, from, from our time of talking earlier, but um, just confirmed with some things you said now, you, we're, you're wanting to help those who have been in pain. You're wanting to help those who are incarcerated, correct? Yes, ma'am. And that's part of your ministry. So realize the, the, the concept of a person being a victim. Some people don't like that word. Well, you, if you are literally powerless based on age, age nine, by the way, um, kids don't even know how to process when things start happening when when violation sexual violation is taking place little children you know older children they they unless they've been trained they don't know what to do and so the more you're able to share the secret cuz the the victimizer assumes that you will not tell, that their victims will not tell because they're children. And most do not. So as you are led by God to take your experience of, of literally being abused, being a victim... Um, there's a there's a key here that I'm going to share with you that you will want to, in certain situations, share with others. There's something called a victim mentality. A victim mentality is a mindset in which a person who was once a victim continues in old thought patterns that foster feelings of powerlessness even when the victimization is ended. So those with the victim mentality, they see others as powerful, but themselves as weak and powerless. The, the victim mentality leads those who were genuinely powerless at the time to stop the abuse, to assume that same powerless state, like, in a different context, well, I can't, I can't do anything. They do feel powerless in adult relationships that have nothing to do with the actual victimization they had as a child. So there are times when you need to exert a powerful position. Powerful means you speak the truth. You confront the wrong. And you can help others 
with literally and helping them understand that a victim mentality can subconsciously or consciously be used to deny responsibility for their own present actions because they they, they they say, well, I can't do anything about it. Well, But they're living like they were still children and they're no longer children. As an adult, you have the power to do what God leads you to do. And and in an, an individual, um, an individual can continue in self-destructive actions or attitudes, and they can just blame others when instead they need to take action and say no. No. In fact, the scripture says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So when people say, well, I can't help what happens to me. Um, have you heard people say that? I, I can't help it. What happens? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Well, what we need to do is to counter that, to say children cannot help what family they were born in or what situations they experience. But as adults, the Bible, as adults, and I, I love this, the Bible says, um, when I was a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. Now that I'm an adult, and my friend Elizabeth, now that you are an adult, you put childish ways behind you. We need to do this. I need to do this. And I've had to tell myself this at times when I did feel powerless as an adult. And multiple times I felt that way. And I had to change my mindset. And it was hard. But the Bible says, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. So, yes, we can be powerless early on. But we need, the the Bible says, his divine power, listen to this, his divine power has given us everything we need to live a godly life. So when you look at that scripture in 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4, His divine power, we are, we are not made by God to live in adulthood in a powerless way. And you can help others because you can say, I know what it's like to not tell and I was a prisoner of the past. You can use that phrase if you wish. But I was controlled. But now I can speak the truth in love and it's right to do so. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me to proclaim good news to the poor and to proclaim freedom for prisoners. The Lord came to set captives free, and He calls us to do the same. Hope for the Heart has an exciting opportunity to help bring the light of God's Word into the lives of those in prison. Thanks to our generous supporters, we were recently able to send 6,000 of June Hunt's books and biblical resources to Rikers Island Prison in New York City. The prison chaplain told us the whole atmosphere changed with the inmates because light was finally coming into the darkness. The supply of resources was a direct answer to years of prayer, and many inmates have given their lives to the Lord. 
It's a truly remarkable story of hope, and it's all possible because of generous friends like you. If you would like to help send more biblical resources to prisons around the country, you can give online today at hopefortheheart.org forward slash give hope. That's hopefortheheart.org forward slash give hope. As we each solve the puzzle that is our life, we often have questions we can't answer. Usually they're little nagging questions, but sometimes they're larger. So large, in fact, the answer or even the question itself can have life-changing consequences. June Hunt believes the best answers to these tough questions come from God himself, and he's given us those answers in the Bible. For more than 20 years now, June has helped callers find these biblical answers and apply them to their lives. You can talk with June on her radio program, Hope in the Night, about an issue, a hurt, a relationship, or another concern in your life. Call 800-NIGHT-17. And remember, there are no hopeless situations, only people who have grown hopeless. There really are biblical solutions for all of life's struggles. Don't wait. Call now, 800-644-4817. You are listening to Hope in the Night with June Hunt. We are a ministry of hope for the heart, offering God's truth for today's problems. We exist because of your ongoing prayers and continued support, and we thank you. Our customer support team is available at 800-488-HOPE, Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 Central Time, and they'll help guide you to God's hope through our resources. We're recommending tonight our Keys for Living called Abuse Recovery from Surviving to Thriving. And that and uh, many other uh, resources are available for you as you talk to customer support and uh, just talk to them about what you might be going through. They'll be happy to recommend something for you. That number again, 800-488-HOPE, 800-488-4673. Maybe there is a struggle you're dealing with and you'd like to speak with June Hunt about that on the program, we'd like to invite you to call 800-NIGHT-17. That's 800-N-I-G-H-T-1-7. When you call, leave a detailed message for us and we'll get back to you as soon as possible to talk to you about being on an upcoming Hope in the Night. That's 800-NIGHT-17, 800-644-4817. Getting back now to our conversation with Elizabeth. Elizabeth, what is your biggest challenge right now with, I know you've talked about the anger, but just the victimization, um, the abuse. Um, what is your biggest challenge right now? Uh, well, I would say I'm. I'm. Oh, I. I forgive. Everyone who's had wrong with me, my father, my uncle, mm-hmm. and others. And again, um, the anger part, I know it's all a part of once you start telling your story. I know that's a part that it comes out. But I also, I think what is tied in with the anger is what I mentioned before, is the disgust of it because, and that to me is more than the anger. And that's because, you know, that was suppressed too. Um, mm-hmm. Because... 
you know, as a child, you know, like you said, at nine, you can't even begin to process that. Right. But because it happened so long, for so long, and then with my dad for an entire year, it become came like normal in my psyche to where the disgust wasn't there. It was like normal. But now, mm-hmm. as I tell my story now, later here in these years, it's just really gross and disgusting. And then I have these, like, I feel like I have like, these video camera lens eyeballs, so it's twice as graphic. It takes me right to that area, that time mm-hmm. uh, when it's happening. And so it, all the, and so it causes me to cringe and tense up because it's just so gross and disgusting. So that's my biggest challenge, which mm-hmm. causes is the anger so tied in so that's my biggest challenge right now well one of the things you've described like the video camera your mind is when you have trauma um, you can be in a non-military situation here you're as a child and the same thing that could happen to a person in the midst of combat where there is there are horrific scenes that take place which can produce PTSD post-traumatic stress disorder PTSD post meaning after uh the the event post traumatic there was trauma and so after the trauma post traumatic <clears throat> stress okay it's impacting you a disorder by the way means that it impairs normal functioning well we can have post traumatic stress and but it doesn't have to be a disorder what i'm saying to you is the, this video, you've described it um, poignantly. Your words are uh, significant. Like a video camera, it's like replaying in vivid memory. Uh, th- the thing is, this isn't just you. Um, on occasion, I'll describe something to someone about... Uh, when there's trauma, um, something that's very impactful physically, um, there is uh, your adrenal gland in your body that produces adrenaline or epinephrine. It uh, literally, when there's a scene that comes that, that you've experienced, which you did for a year with your dad. I believe you had told me previously you were 15 to 16 years old. And that was following the stint, if you will. Um, and and we're, we're talking about there, you said it was two or three times a week. And then you mentioned your uncle, you know, f- f- um, beginning age nine. Now, the point of saying that is... <sighs> The way the body works is when there is trauma and you had it, uh, it, it that, that scene with the 
epinephrine going through your blood system stamps that picture into your brain and involuntarily it will come back. That scene will come back or scenes will come back. So, <clears throat> um, indeed, this is hard. It is important, though, that you know what to do with these scenes because it's not just that you have to stay a victim of those scenes. By the way, am, am I um, speaking language that you are identifying with? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Okay. And what that means is, see, I keep thinking, because since you have a heart to help others, um, this is going to be very significant so that people who are challenged with PTSD, um, they, they think they can feel no one understands. Nobody can understand what I'm going through. And they really believe that because their situation was individual. But the truth is you also had a different type, even though I know, I believe you you were in the military, correct? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yes, so, um, and you did experience... I remember you said that you were sexually assaulted, I believe, I don't know if it's I'm, in the military. I military drill sergeant twice and a sergeant over me once I got into my permanent regular duty station mm -hmm. once. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, so the, I, I had written down uh, that you had said three times you were sexually assaulted uh, by men in authority. And so my my point is, I think of... Okay, see, you're, you're not wanting to play a victim role. You, oh, yeah. mm -hmm. that, that's not who you are, and you have emphasized, uh, when we first talked, the vital part of forgiveness that you saw your mother display, but, and, and that really, you said forgiveness is important to me, and you, so you're not in bondage to a lack of forgiveness, but what can happen is you can be triggered by what took place in the past, and therefore, I, I, I'm, I'm just saying there are certain things to do, and um, I'm going to be sending you something uh, on like how to recover from PTSD. We have this in our material on stress, post-traumatic stress. And you acknowledge, number one, the reality of your trauma. You admit not just to yourself and God, but to, it, it's like at least one other person that at times you're hurting and and that you're in need of healing. And, and you identify the symptoms that you're experiencing and the frequency and the impact on your life. And that, so 
that's one key point. And see, I don't hear that you are closed to acknowledge the reality. Many people are afraid of this. They think, oh no, if I am willing to think about it, if I admit it, then it's just going to mushroom and get overwhelming. But that's actually... Um, not the case. The more you face it, the more you face the fear, face the fact of what happened, the less impact it will have on you negatively. You face the, the pain of the trauma with faith. And you recognize the source of of the trauma again this is this is healthy to do um, notice that Jesus said the truth sets you free the truth sets you free so it's dealing with the truth and you can literally see you know as a result this trauma happened to me, and this has impacted me in this way, where you, you're looking at this caused this impact. And then you've got to realize what present situations can trigger buried memories. Mm-hmm. And that is what I'm hearing sometimes you are experiencing. And so you learn what to expect when you're in those situations. There are sights, sounds, smells, touch, um, certain people, certain places, media, you know, movies. They can all cause the mind to suddenly remember and even the body can begin to feel pain. But the more you face it, the more you can release it. Um, In Job 36, the Bible says, those who suffer, he delivers in their suffering. He, the Lord, he speaks to them in their affliction. And then Let me ask, have you journaled? Have you written out your true story? Yes, ma'am. I have a blog and I'm still writing a book. Okay, okay. Because I would say, you know, the Bible says, go now and write it on a tablet. Inscribe it on a scroll. You know, it's there are times when things need to be written. And because that's part of the release. Be candid about any... Um, negative, you know, self-injury thoughts, but but literally say, God, thank you that you're going to use this increasingly in my life. And so we'll be sending you our material on stress, how to cope at the end of your rope. 
We will send our keys for living called stress, how to cope at the end of your rope. Also abuse recovery from surviving to thriving. We'll send that to tonight's caller. And we do that free of charge because of your generous support of this ministry. If you'd like to give to keep those resources going out and to keep this program on the air, you may do so at hopefortheheart.org slash donate. And we thank you. You may order resources for yourself at 800-488-HOPE anytime Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 Central Time. And our materials and past programs are available at hopefortheheart.org. Also find our programs wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Until next time, for June Hunt, I'm Jeff Oliver saying you hang on to hope. The preceding program was pre-recorded.